0: Salutations, listeners. Baller McGullis. Nanu, nanu Nanu. Nanu Nanu. Nanu nanu.
1: Who's nanu? Your nano?
0: No, <laughs> my my nanu died years nanu, ago. Nanu, <laughs> nanu, nanu nanu nanu. Thank you for tuning in. This is Three Men in a Basement, and we are the Ultra Crepidarians. My name is Colin McLeod. Action Jackson. And in this podcast, we review movies and we like to deliver to you, the listener, an average schmuck's opinion about hidden gems in the wide world of cinema. In this show, we try and target movies that are not total blockbuster smashes doing No Star War. Uh, no Star War. No Star War. We also try and target ones that are not super-duper obscure, not so obscure that you couldn't track it down and find it. Instead, we like to aim for that delightful sweet spot right in the middle, movies that maybe you haven't seen in a while, or maybe you wanted to see and, and you missed them. We like to target those, watch them, review them, and deliver to you our take on whether or not you need to track them down and watch them.
1: So basically what you're saying is we lift the shirt and we dig in the belly button of the the cinematic... Lint. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we chew on it a little bit and uh, let you know if it tastes good.
2: That is one way of putting it. That's the way.
0: <laughs> this is the way. This is the way. Jackson, get on board. This is the way. We're eating lint now. Alright, where's the board? I'm gonna get on it. What, gentlemen, for this hour 43 Third episode? Jesus. Yes. Oh, we're, we're, we're marching along here. What did we watch this week? It was not Murder, She Wrote. It was not Murder by Numbers.
1: It was Murder by Death.
0: Murder by Death. Quite precise. I mean, if you're going to be murdered. By Death is a good way to go. Yeah, I mean, it's not... It's definitive. There's no way around it. Yeah. No, nope. you're getting murdered by death. You're. you're it <laughs> comes for us all.
1: I like the utility.
0: Yeah, you're not mincing words, right? No. It's like, oh, I got murdered by carousel. You know, maybe I made it out of that. Right? No. Murder by Death? You're fucking dunzo. Murder by Death, 1976 movie. This is, by a good margin, I think almost 10 years, this is the oldest movie we've ever done on the podcast.
2: Yeah. It's contemporary to episode four. Is it?
0: Yeah. They what? both came out. In,
2: well, no, I think episode four came out in 77,
0: so this oh, predates Star Wars. The Star Wars. The Star Wars. The Star Wars. No, yeah, no, it's it predates the Star Wars. I thought you were talking about our episode four, and I was like, that was like 1408 or something. <laughs> shit. <That was> like, <laughs> That's John earlier. Cusack wasn't born when this movie came out. <laughs> okay, he probably was, but whatever. This movie's rated pg uh no
1: Nope.
0: <laughs> no Nope. not I, a chance. I mean PG by like those like like Jaws was PG. It's it's PG because the MPAA hadn't created PG thirteen yet. Right. That is why this movie is PG. Yes. This movie is in no way, shape, or form PG. Do not watch this with the kiddos. No.
2: no. Uh.
0: I mean, it's not like I wouldn't give it an R, but I would give it like a medium plus PG thirteen. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, one hour and thirty-five minutes.
2: Uh. Felt
1: too short.
2: Honestly. Like, I could have gone with another 30 minutes. Yeah, I never would have thought that this was a tight 90. Like, this was
0: so... It was so quick. Okay, genres. We've got comedy, crime, mystery, thriller. Anything else? Honestly, I would probably omit thriller. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, thriller's maybe a bit of a stretch. It's the weakest of the categories, for sure.
1: Yeah, and I think in the way that it's used in this movie, mystery is sufficient.
0: Yes. Yeah, No. Yeah, you're right. A lot of the elements of mystery sort of cover the ground of, I think, what they were going for for Thriller. The other thing that I feel like, ugh, again, I always like to throw in the categories that don't really exist as categories, right? This movie is not a spoof, but it is very spoofy, spoof adjacent, right? It's very shtick in the way that spoofs tend to be but I don't think it's source material is like principally drawn from a single thing. It is drawn from sort of like the generalized melange of mystery thriller novels and movies. Right. And it's sort of spoofing that. It's spoofing the the genre and I I would say it's not a spoof almost exclusively because there isn't like principal source material right? Like Airplane was a true spoof right? Spaceballs was like you know mostly Star Wars. Robin Hemenitites was was mostly Robin Hood, like...
1: And and the humor was kind of, like, in those veins, you know? It was quippy, it was slapsticky, like you said. Like, it it never stopped, you know? Yeah,
0: no,
2: it very much felt like a Mel Brooks film.
1: Yeah, yeah, in, like, the just the rapid-fire, like, absurdity.
2: Yeah, yeah, it had the tone of a spoof. But unlike most of Mel Brooks' work, it was not a spoof. Like, there was not an origin source, like, oh, this is spoofing off of ABC.
0: Right, just the general, like... This is what mystery thrillers like to do. They love to throw in shit like this, so let's make fun of that. It
2: felt like the murder mysteries that my grandma used to read all the time.
0: It was definitely the murder mysteries that your grandma used to read all the time. I would say, like, maybe of all the source materials, maybe, like, Agatha Christie was maybe mainly what they were going for here. What do we have for our description of this movie?
1: Okay, I have five famous literary detective characters and their sidekicks are invited to a bizarre mansion to solve an even stranger mystery.
0: Ooh.
1: Wow, we to uh, really give it? Uh, give it your best yeah, yeah, was, way to
0: dial it up to 11 kellen yeah, it's enthusiasm well. guys it's called showmanship okay look it up r- all right what do you, r- you r- even r- contribute
1: r- here okay i contributed an
0: ooh i i thought that was obvious yeah there was no ham on that ooh though all right hang on let me try it again ooh
1: much better than yeah that yeah. was solid yeah, thank you you
0: know what it felt better out of yeah. park. that yeah. was 11 out of 10 I, I see what you were saying about the first one who
2: yeah. do we have in this movie well
0: hang know. on how do we feel about the description I think the description is tight. Is there anything you'd add or subtract? Or... No, and also that's math, th- by the way, adding and subtracting. Oh, is that what that is?
1: I also think that this is the kind of movie that is impossible to spoil.
0: You know? <laughs> yeah. Honestly, yeah. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it is, yeah. I, comedies are good like that, right? Like yeah. comedies, and like I think we've talked about it previously. rom Goms are really good about like you. You just can't spoil them. You know what's coming. Even if we gave away the ending, it's still fun to watch it happen. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, you were saying. Uh, yeah. Who's Who's in this, Colin? Um, okay, so I believe Brittany Murphy's in this. Oh, okay. Um, and that, what I just said, was a lie because this movie came out before she was born. I mean, yeah. what the
1: fuck? What know? the fuck? What the Peter Falk?
0: What yeah. the Peter Falk?
1: God. So Peter Falk was in this. Grandpa. Grandpa and the old uh, Princess Bride.
2: Who else we got? Alec Guinness, who you may possibly recognize as
0: the one, the only Obi Wan Kenobi—certainly not the only, but one of the Obi Ones.
1: I mean, yeah, that's, uh, he's he's my Obi Wan. He's my Obi
0: Wan. Uh, he's my Obi Wan too. But I, there are some like very thirsty fan girls and boys out there. I mean, I I'm, I'm a little thirsty for you, and McGregor sorry. too. But Alec Guinness is my Obi number one. Yeah, but come on. I mean, you want a little side Obi, right?
1: You know, Obi-2.
0: An Obi-2. Or Obi-Trice. An Obi-2 Kenobi. Ooh, ooh. Um, Obi-Trice, real name,
1: no gimmicks? I really like you trying to sell the other Obi-Wans. Yeah,
0: Peter sold it a little bit. Yeah, he certainly did. Peter Sellers. (coughs) Yeah.
1: Also in this movie. What else? Uh, what's what's Peter Sellers been in? Never never heard of this guy.
0: <laughs> so Peter Sellers. I mean, my go-to for Peter Sellers is Doctor Strangelove. See, for me, he was always Pink Panther, but Doctor Strangelove is probably his most iconic of our he was in, like, upbringings. Like
1: most of the Pink Panthers, right? Yes. Or, or, like all of them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So Peter Sellers in Doctor Strangelove plays Doctor Strangelove plays Group Captain Lionel Mandrake and President Merkin Mostly, he was fucking everybody in that movie. Yeah. Not f- fucking everybody. He was everybody <laughs> in that fucking. <laughs> movie maybe he's fucking everybody i don't maybe know his life he was listen he's out here peter selling things on the streets this guy this guy fucks yeah mm-hmm. i think we can all agree that this guy fucks uh who else we got in this movie
1: well i mean i don't want to get all pretentious uh you know a bit of a capote if you will but uh but truman was in this
0: oh yeah truman capote truman from the show i believe yes it's pronounced truman capote mm. oh. yeah mm. um Truman Capote in Cold Blood is probably his most famous work, and that's what made him kind of rubbing elbows with high society types. You would also probably know him from Breakfast at Tiffany's. Uh, Eileen Brennan. Okay, so... You can't see me, listeners. He's wringing his hands. But I'm like, here... That's what I do when I get excited. Yeah. Because um, I'm a I'm a big boy. That's what big boys do. <laughs> I'm a
2: big boy. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big big boy.
0: Okay. So this movie, again, like Mark said, it can't really be spoiled. So I'm gonna say this pre-spoilers. If there's one movie that is so much like this, it's Clue. The movie Clue with Tim Curry and fucking Take Your Pick, everybody else. Clue is this movie's spiritual twin. If you love the movie Clue, you need to see this movie fucking yesterday. And the one sort of interesting bit is there is some cross-pollination, and it comes in the form of Eileen Brennan. She plays Mrs. Peacock in Clue, the one who dresses like a peacock. Yes. Kind of, right? And she thinks she gets poisoned, and she goes, "Ah!" and she drops her glass, and, you
2: know. Yeah,
1: no, I, I mean, absolutely.
2: I love Clue. It's one of my go-tos for the Halloween season.
1: Um, Speaking of poisoning, though, I would not want my Coco poisoned. No. Um, But that brings me to my next point. James Coco is in this movie, who, of course, you know from... from Muppets Take Manhattan, but more seriously, what what would you guys say is his biggest uh He was take?
0: Mr. Skeffington. Come yeah. on in Mr. Muppets Take Manhattan. You don't just go, you know, seriously, somebody's serious.
1: Well, I'm just saying this is a very serious movie. He's a very serious actor.
2: But yeah, you've got Twilight Zone and Who's the Boss. He's been in everything you would know him if
0: you saw him. For sure he's got a very recognizable face he was in fantasy island and all sorts of things uh we mention him not because we are intimately familiar but because he's got that face you've seen him before yes. a billion times yeah,
1: yeah. someone else uh, you've probably seen before maggie smith
2: maggie smith
1: she's immortal
0: the one the only the legend born in 1621 in londonderry maggie smith made her yeah. way to hollywood because she wanted to be on the big screen hollywood didn't exist back then But she made her way there anyway because she knew... She built it. That was going to be where they did not shoot the Harry Potter series. Right. Because they shot it in London, so she kind of, you know, Sir missed it. his Root. Yeah, she sort of took a strange path and ended up in London, which is not near Londonderry, but it's a hell of a lot closer than the Hollywood. Yeah, she's, yeah, definitely,
1: she's definitely yeah. hooked uh, by the whole life.
0: Ah, <laughs> oh, because she played Wendy Moira Angela Darling. In uh,
2: another <laughs> legend of film, you may or may not recognize David Niven, also famous for The Pink Panther. He was Sir Charles
0: Lytton in the Pink Panther, playing across from the legendary Peter Sellers. David Niven is also known by a lot of Bond fans. He plays Bond in the original Casino Royale film. So if you're a Bond fan, David Niven should not be a name that escapes you. What uh,
1: what was Bond's first name again?
0: I believe it was Terry. Oh, um, I've been
1: pronouncing it wrong the whole time. I always said James.
0: No, it was definitely Terry. It's a common mistake. Okay.
1: But you know what wasn't a mistake? James Cromwell. <gasps> he was in this as well. And I, re- you know what? I, I've never really like sought him out in the movies that he's been in, but like I really appreciate when he's there. You know oh, what? yeah. He's been in so much. But what I really associate James Cromwell with is First Contact, the Star Trek movie. I think it was like the eighth one or something like that.
0: Right. Man, he's so good. James Cromwell. Google him. You will know his face. He's a tall fella. He's, just, he's very long. Look at she could, like, took like kind of an average-looking fella and just sort of stretched him a bit. Just a wee bit. Um, We've got Elsa Lancaster in this movie. Elsa Lancaster, again, one of those people you'd know by face, but perhaps not by name. She was in The Bride of Frankenstein. She played uh, Mary Wollstone. Um, she also was in Mary Poppins. She played Katie Nana.
2: Oh, yes. Huh. Another one that you would probably recognize, Nancy Walker played Angela from The Golden Girls. Yep, yep.
1: Alright, so I am almost out of silly actor puns.
0: Okay, what's we're Ridiculous! Is I feel like we didn't actually talk about how like this movie's cast is so fucking good. Like, oh, it's so many it people, amazing. I can never like every time I bring this movie up to people. Oh, we never do cherries. We'll do quick around cherries. Yep. I had my cherry popped. Cherry. I did not. Yep. Uh, Big surprise. <laughs> there. Not much of a surprise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, to be fair, I haven't seen this movie in probably ten years at least. Um, I've seen this movie maybe two or three times, more than once, less than four, I'll say. But I haven't seen it in a long, long time, so a lot of the gags were fresh to me.
2: Yeah, but like Colin was saying, every single person in this movie was legendary in their own right, and they were also very interconnected. A lot of them played across from each other or next to each other in various different
0: shows, movies. Peter Sellers and David Niven were both in Pink Panther, and that wasn't a movie, that was like a franchise. Yeah. Right? These people worked together, a lot of them, pretty regularly, Nancy which was Walker really cool. and
2: Peter Falk both played on Columbo. Yes, um, yes. And a lot
1: of times, at least for me personally, when I see that the cast is so top-billed, I hesitate. I it feel raises like,
2: a red flag.
1: Yeah, in this case, it's the opposite. Like I feel like a lot of times... You know, you get big names together and it kind of falls flat because everyone's trying to like steal some spotlight and it just feels janky. This was real synergy. You know, everyone built upon each other and it elevated the whole project. It was amazing. I don't
0: know this for a fact, but I suspect that is a modern phenomenon. This stuff was always very capitalized, but before the vested interests and capitalists dug their greedy little fingers into Hollywood (laughs) so deeply, where nowadays you have an ensemble cast, and it basically translates to, we didn't spend any money on writing, or a good script, or a director who knows how to handle this type of star power, or, like, fucking literally anything that could make a movie good. It just means we cobbled together a whole bunch of names, that you recognize and people you like from other movies because we know your dumbass is going to drag your ass to the theater to see at least one of them you just fucking like Bradley Cooper's face and you think he's a talented actor which he is, but Bradley Cooper can't help the fact that he was suckered into a contract of three films and they got to choose the third one and it's fucking ensemble cast number 76, Yeah, you know, and I think this movie preceded that phenomenon, so like our generation when we see that type of star power like Mark said, it's a red flag, it's a warning it is a poison dart frog and the bright colors mean danger, and in this movie it just works so fucking good because everybody's a heavy hitter and everybody's bringing their A game to an already rockin' script and idea.
2: Yeah, and that's what I was about to say was like before the Robert Downey Jr.s and Bradley Cooper's of today, everybody was Robert Downey Jr. and Bradley Cooper. They would put together movies with 10, 12, 14 mega stars and they all played across from each other beautifully because they'd done it so many times before. Mm. Whereas nowadays you get one big name and a bunch of nobodies to put somebody on the map for a future film.
1: Right. No, I I agree.
0: Uh so yeah, so that is my go-to for this movie is this movie Star Power is amazing and it's a star power that precedes us by quite a bit and, and that's pretty jamming. Yep.
1: Who uh, who directed this thing?
0: Robert Moore. I don't think he directed Robert Less. Oh. No I, I think you're right. I think that Robert Les was a little less well known.
1: It's a quantity
2: thing.
0: I r- honestly don't recognize a lot like anything much that he's done. Oh really? Though uh, there are a couple things on here like Rhonda and the Cheap Detective which I haven't seen but I do see in the IMDB credits of a lot of the actors in this movie so he has directed some of these people before and that, oh yeah
1: that makes sense too that this is a, a troop more or less, you know. But
2: yeah, you've got Rhoda, the Sunshine Boys. Um, oh, it was Rhoda. Did I say Ron? I said Rhonda. Rhoda. Yeah, I never saw Rhoda. He was the director for the Bob Newhart show, and Bob Newhart was another one of those big names. He was a
0: megastar back then. Uh, forgot to mention, Neil Simon wrote this movie. We don't normally mention writers unless there's some significance. Neil Simon wrote this movie. Neil Simon very famously wrote The Odd Couple, and The Goodbye Girl, and The Sunshine Boys. But The oh. Odd Couple was definitely Neil Simon's sort of like piece de resistance. on.
2: But what what uh, what did his partner Garfunkel write?
0: Oh, Garfunkel very famously, while Neil Simon was writing this, just sort of stood there and picked his fro. Ah, uh, fro picking. But I mean, you know, that's that's a contribution.
2: Fro picking is that a band name? Fro picking,
0: fro picking. Yeah. Fro picking, Fro-pick. I feel like fro picking. Even though there is the word fro in there, I am definitely hearing fro picking as like a deep Tennessee banjo kind of like. The second fro picking comes on, it's like. See, I was thinking, I was thinking exactly that, but in German. Why would that be in German? Fro picking. Oh, fro Frau picking. Frau picken Ooh, ooh, mm. ooh. There's there's connotation there because of what Frau means. Um. <laughs> 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 Ooh, Frau Picken Frau <laughs> Picken <laughs> that made it much much dirtier you went there Um, mm-hmm. I I did not yeah, go yeah. there I, I took us all perfect- there and you were there with I me. was perfectly happy with a banjo on a serene country road with a babbling brook next to me and Jackson shoved me in a plane uh... flew me to Germany and said look at this very filthy sex act called Frau Picken and you and chose to I, get out I opened my eyes. That's all I did. You chose
1: to do it. He drove you there. You got out of the car. I did. That's on you.
0: Well, hey, listen. Somebody shows me in a car and takes me to Germany. I'm going to get out of that car, and I'm going to look at some filthy, filthy, nasty German sex. Some frows. (laughs) A couple of frows. A couple of frows. Oh, we just a couple of frows. A couple of frows.
2: Well, you know what they say. When you hear banjos, paddle faster.
0: (laughs) That's the sound that you make if you don't paddle fast enough.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, okay, so clarification. This is not the same Neil Simon uh, before we move on. <laughs> I think I broke Jackson. You all right there? Yep. Most, can, of we, you, most of my beer went in my mouth. Most of my beer went in my All right. I'm just. I'm not. Yep. Okay. You're just gonna Mark. leave that alone. I'm <laughs> okay, just gonna
1: leave that alone. Can we go around the table? Are we? Are we recommending? Are we not recommending? It sounds like we didn't really like this movie very much. So. Oh,
2: you know, there were definitely parts of this movie that I would recommend to everyone.
0: Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> So, okay, I feel, we have to do this pre-spoilers. Um, okay, this movie, I'm putting on my, my flashing lights. You can't see my hands, but I'm flashing lights with my hands. He's you, flashing us. You're going to throw I'm, out some caveats? I am flashing. Um, so, one major thing that we need to disclose about this movie. We're just going to get it out of the way. Oh, we're yeah. We're going to talk about it. And about. we are probably not going to discuss it a whole lot after that. Not to say that it's not pervasive throughout the film. But this movie is of its time and has a whole bunch... But one very specific, but let's say a whole bunch of extremely insensitive and racist stereotypes, depictions, and caricatures.
2: One of which very notably by Peter Sellers. Yeah,
0: Peter Sellers actively plays a caricature of a Chinese person circa Hollywood's interpretation in 1976. Back when they still used the word Oriental. Yes. So if you are at all sensitive to racial stereotypes, caricatures, passive racism remarks from this time era, or you have trouble sort of like leaving that kind of stuff at the door, which again, I don't blame you. We all have our things that we can't lay down. This movie, if you can't get past that kind of thing don't watch it. It is very pervasive throughout the film. I mean, it's he's a whole character, so like... A very um, prominent character. A very prominent character, and there's not many characters in this movie. It's only like, what, 12 people told? Yeah. It's a very limited cast, so if that is the kind of thing that bothers you, even in the slightest and you don't think you're going to be able to see past it or get through it, again, I don't blame you, but definitely don't watch this movie.
1: Now, I would definitely draw a distinction between... It was not malicious racism. It was ignorant racism, you know, which... I, I feel there is a difference, but I also recognize that there is not a difference. It was all done tongue-in-cheek, but again, it was definitely born out of ignorance and would not in any way fly today
0: no no and like rightfully i mean it's it's horrible like it's it is a horrible thing to see but it's like being able to watch dumbo without like the super fucking racist depictions of the crows right like if you could just ignore the fact that that is in the movie i'm not saying you should or should not i'm saying if you can you might be able to still watch a movie about a flying elephant
2: yeah,
1: that's fair.
0: This movie, if you can ignore the super racist depiction of a Chinese person throughout the movie, it's a really awesome movie, sans that point.
1: I'll even say that Peter Sellers' delivery was very funny, even though it was soaked in racism, what we're talking about here. Again, that statement that it is, well, it's funny, is still missing the point of what we're trying to communicate right now. But again, I just want to try to like emphasize that, like... It
0: <sighs> It's not funny because of the caricature. It's funny because of the lines that the person was delivering. Regardless of who delivered it, it was a funny character. Peter
2: Sellers played his part extremely well and extremely comedically. The fact that his part was tragically racist was disappointing to say the least. But all that to say, I laughed my ass off. Again, I didn't laugh my ass off because it was racist I laughed my ass off because the lines were genuinely hilarious
0: yeah I feel like we're beating a horse here yeah yeah, I I agree I think we put the disclaimer out there that exists in the movie I think if you're the kind of person who can just be like people in 1976 honestly didn't know that they were being offensive or upsetting the rest of the movie is fucking tight fucking top-notch okay so that's out of the way we've discussed it we're gonna probably leave it in the rear view for now as much as possible as much as possible it's not it's not always easy to divorce it but okay. now that we've acknowledged it i would say that aside i would recommend this movie
2: blanket rex with the warning that if you're sensitive to racial
0: stereotypes this may not be for you yeah but it is like it's a funny movie
2: oh it's so funny it's a
0: funny movie and i feel like comedy is sort of Setting aside what we just talked about, I feel like comedy is so often a time and place, right? And so for that reason, comedies 30 years on can be not funny. The writing in this is still funny today absolutely like the jokes are still fucking funny the jokes still land there's a lot of comedies I'll watch from like 1965 and I'm like I'm sure this fucking killed in 1965 but it's boring as shit today and the jokes don't make sense and they're just like they fall flat and it feels like I'm watching a grandparent struggle on stage right now yes very few comedies age with the grace that this movie did and I'm talking about specifically the non-racist writing like this movie was fucking funny and it will probably be funny 50 years on
1: yeah, no, I, I feel like the comedy, and I want to draw a distinction here, the comedy aged like a fine wine, the depictions are what soured for me. Yeah, that's what it is. And I think that's what it is. There's a distinction there. That yeah, because I, I don't want
0: to be like saying like, the comedy as a blanket statement aged super well because obviously some of the comedy is based on not great things, but comedy in general typically doesn't age well. No. And so it's, it's so interesting to see a movie that's this old that can still make me laugh that hard.
2: <laughs> For me, it's similar to watching things like Blazing Saddles, right? Blazing Saddles is overtly yeah. offensive, mm-hmm. but the movie
0: is still funny the yes, comedy is that's still a great, funny that's actually a good comparison that's um, a good comparison if you are the kind of person who was offended by blazing saddles don't watch this movie yeah but if you watch blazing saddles and still find it funny even today watch this movie yeah
2: if you can separate the offensive items from the comedy then this will be a smash hit for you is the horse sufficiently dead
0: i believe that it is a corpse uh mark uh, if it starts moving again would,
1: i'll i'll let you know and we'll take right, it right. would
0: you recommend no, the movie no i hated this movie I yeah I, you really know i got that sense it. yeah i got that sense when we, was, this when... was a stardust for mark it was a yeah it whoa, was terrible oh, <laughs> whoa whoa, <laughs> was so whoa. Terrible.
2: i thought we were beating dead horses you are, here you
0: are ripping band-aids off that i you know what i still haven't forgiven <laughs> youtube for fucking low so I still haven't forgiven you for low um, but yes, no, I could tell in your laughs that like they weren't the kind of laughs that were like, oh ha, ha I love this movie, I'll recommend it. They were the kind of laughs that are like, ha, ha, I'm not gonna recommend this movie. They yeah. were like,
2: ha, ha, I'm laughing so hard, I hate these people. No, yeah,
1: I, I I fucking love this movie. This this was <laughs> this was such a treat. And for me, this is the bread and butter of what we do on the podcast. Yes! This movie did not exist in my world before tonight, you know, when we sat down and we watched it. And I feel like i now have something that i can share with other people and i really want other people to watch it and i want to talk to them about it
0: not to circle jerk it but like bringing it to the scene score like the fact that like this movie didn't exist in your catalog universe and then you saw it and enjoyed it this much like that enhanced it more than if you had like known about it for mm-hmm. like years oh and years absolutely and then you saw it right like the unknowing yeah it fucking yeah. enhances the if movie this right? was a
2: movie that was sitting on the back of my shelf that i'd gone oh i've never watched this maybe i should sit down and watch it sometime but then never do and then eventually i get to see it and i'm like oh man i'm so glad that i finally watched this movie that's different it's so different than i didn't know this movie existed and i am better
0: for having seen it
1: yes yes absolutely absolutely
0: so three wrecks around yep yeah yeah i guess Are we ready to? I did not know Mark was a baritone. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Mark really brought us down there. Yeah, we maxed out the the little doodles.
1: All the frequencies. Yeah.
0: If you're listening to us in your car and you didn't crash it, good on you. Yeah. Props. We're proud of you. Gold star. We'll send you a burp envelope. Yeah, you get a dojo point. Uh. So how's this movie start up? So this movie starts with someone addressing envelopes to a party. What kind of party is it? It is a dinner party. Dinner and murder.
2: Dinner and a murder. 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 Not of crows. No. No but of people. Mm,
1: The best kind of murder. (laughs) 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 Uh, Yeah, dude, within that that first scene he's like writing out the letters. There's like a little like joke where he has his blind butler like put stamps on these letters. He being this mysterious figure that we haven't identified yet somebody's butler who cannot see is asked to put stamps and mail out these letters and he's like slowly like putting them in his on his tongue and he's putting them down you get get this
2: really nasty close-up of his mouth just seductively and very wetly very interesting that you chose
0: the word seductive
2: to describe that but go ahead mark alec guinness is seductive and i will die on that hill (laughs) You are drinking a
1: Guinness. <laughs> a,
0: a Guinness, uh, drocked. Drocked! Yeah. Drocked! My friends in Britain are gonna murder me. <laughs> it's fine. It's My family and Britain. Murder me by death. Uh, sorry, Mark, no, go ahead.
1: Um, but, like, that, like, told me, like, right away that this is a movie I'm here for. You we know? gotta finish the joke. Which
0: one? I haven't joked. You were talking about the, the licking of the stamps.
1: Yeah, there's no joke. He was licking the stamps and he was just, he was sucking on them seductively.
0: Yeah, and then he was applying them to the envelopes. Envelopes. <laughs> you, I did air quotes there. They didn't see that. Envelopes 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 yeah. yeah
1: no no He's he's putting them putting them mother effers on the
0: like off screen down below the screen yeah yeah like, yeah oh he's putting them on the envelopes no he's putting them on the table <laughs> <laughs> yeah he like walks away and there's just like this line of like seven stamps on the, on the fucking desk
1: but yeah that told you what kind of movie this was gonna be oh it 100% was, it wasn't gonna be ashamed yeah it's all fucking shtick
0: also you didn't see the face of the person in the chair you definitely know who it was because they spoke and nobody has a voice like Truman Capote nobody the second he opened his mouth I immediately said it I was like that was a hundred percent Truman Capote yep <laughs> and I'm like I'm, I'm gonna show my hand here I am not totally upset that nobody has a voice like Truman Capote no because honestly if, I think it's wonderful if I lived in a world where people walked around speaking like that all the time I would probably murder myself by death
2: I would
1: move dumb shut up shut up
0: <laughs> shut up! Mark would be the crazy guy on the street corner with his hands over his ears, going, "Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up!" And all the Truman Capotes were, "What's wrong with you?" I, that was a bad Truman <laughs> They'd Capote They'd say, impression. "What we
2: have here is a failure to communicate."
0: That was a very curious choice
2: of quote, but I don't like it any <gasps> more than you, man.
0: What is happening this right is cool
2: now? It's Cool Hand Luke.
1: It's fucking Cool Hand Luke. But but but. but you lean into it
0: no no it's uh
1: (laughs) you know civil war guns and roses
0: it was Guns N' Roses. I be- I do believe, actually, those yeah. quotes were uh, from a Guns N' Roses album somewhere.
1: Yeah, I mean, I saw Cool Hand Luke once. It was, it was a deep cut. I know it from Guns N' Roses. Take it off. Taking it off, you boss. So, it kind, of, it kind of transitions to, uh, we're, we're meeting all of the characters as they're driving to the dinner party.
0: I mean, it's literally fucking Clue, right? The beginning oh. of Clue is this giant fucking house that is, you know, all mahogany and is a fucking gorgeous house up on a hill in the the middle of a rainstorm and all these people are fucking arriving in these old-fashioned cars, right? This movie came out in 76. They didn't stay a year, but it felt kind of like 1955, 1950 maybe. Yeah. Kind of like Clue does, right? Clue came out in what, the early 80s? 83, 84 maybe? But the vibe was like 50. I think the combination of the board game and the director having seen this film was what inspired the movie Clue. Yes, Totally. Big house on a hill, somewhere between a mansion and a castle. Dark night, rainstorm. And then all of these people are arriving in this sort of like foggy maze of thrush and poorly defined edges. And they show up to the house. And what happens? Well, the uh, blind butler doesn't the... see them to their room. The butler, please. The butler,
2: yeah, doesn't see them to their room, but uh, politely escorts them. <laughs>
1: No, because he can't.
2: Oh. Exactly. Wait, hang let's, on. Just, let's just put a point on it. Wait. Because <laughs> he... Because he can't. Because he can't see? Because he can't see because he's oh, blind.
0: Oh, oh, shit, you got me ah! oh.
2: Um The doorbell made me laugh every single time because the sound of the doorbell was a woman screaming bloody murder. I just... It tickled my funny bone. Mm-hmm. It tickled me so hard. I want that doorbell. Yes! Yeah.
0: I definitely want the doorbell and it was not a fucking like Wilhelm scream it was like i'm being murdered type scream yeah it was severe like someone is stabbing me to death kind of scream
2: so everybody is welcomed to the door in their own very macabre different ways and sydney wang is escorted to his room his son willie wang of course willie wang and then dick charleston and his wife are escorted to their room, which is covered in cobwebs.
0: Uh, Yes, to which they immediately discover the dust is baking soda and the cobwebs are sponge sugar and were put there just to make their room a little bit more creepy. Yeah. Also, one of my favorite parts was as they were entering the room, Alec Guinness, the blind butler, is recounting how this was Madame's room. This was the room of the lady of the house and she died in this room. And of course, Maggie Smith inquires, well, how'd she die? And He says, she murdered herself in her sleep. Oh, my God. You mean suicide? Oh, no, sir. It was murder, all right. <laughs> Madame hated herself. Picture, picture that line, but picture the stoicism and calmness of Alec Guinness. With his eyes going, like, two different directions. Oh, my
2: God. It was flawless.
0: But just convinced that it was not suicide. It was murder. She hated herself. <laughs> I mean, that's all it could be. Really, it's, there's know. nothing else could be. Yeah. Murder by death.
1: Um, okay, so uh, people get kind of situated in their in their various rooms, and dinner will be served at nine. We meet the cook. The cook comes
0: in. Yes, right? huh? Yeah, uh, let's c- cook in quotes. Cooking quote. We'll put cook in quotes. We'll we'll do air oh. quotes around cook.
1: Well, I mean, she was the cook. She just didn't cook anything. Yeah. She also couldn't read, she couldn't hear, and she couldn't speak. So it made it very difficult for her to communicate with the blind butler. Yes! <laughs> yeah, that gag was kind of playing out to death. Um, <clears throat> no pun intended.
0: So everyone is in their respective rooms, asked to come down at nine, dressed nicely, and they make it into the dining room, and in pretty short order, they realize that everybody who has been invited to this is one of the top five detectives in the world. You have Sydney Wang, who is is uh, Chinese, actually played by Peter Sellers, who, believe it or not, is not Chinese. How could you tell? <laughs> we have... Maybe because he's a white guy. Yeah, yep. that tipped me off. Yeah. That was my first clue. That was the, that was the dead nuts. Uh, we have... I'm just going to give their descriptions because I can't remember their fucking names. We've got a sort of hard line, and I'm going to say, like, with a New York accent... Peter Falk even though he was from San Francisco carries a gun very like hey you sweetheart you know t- t- taking a very like hard maybe like Humphrey Bogart in Casablanca yeah. right like the, the you're great- getting on that plane you know like, like you know?
2: pow right in the kisser
0: <laughs> yeah Jackie Gleason yeah maybe a little Jackie yeah, Gleason yeah. tossed in there plays like, the great
2: detective Sam Diamond basically mm-hmm. actually
0: again I, I'm gonna get back to the people but like there's a through line in this right Where's, they were spoofing all murder mysteries and his character is specifically from i would say the genre of film noir.
2: Yes. Think Dick Tracy.
0: Yeah, yeah. She came in. She was all legs, legs up to her hips. Her hips are where her legs stopped. She was an angel. But a devil too, you know, like that kind of silly bullshit. Like mm-hmm. you can imagine, it's fedora
2: si- trench coat, fedora
0: and trench coat, all black. A lot of shadows and rainy nights, and never gets light in that And city. his partner was dressed as a blonde bombshell the whole time. He embodied the sort of film noir aspect of the murder mystery. um I think Sydney Wang embodied the sort of like. Foreign aspect, which I think is like it's not totally unheard of, especially in the early days, to have like a foreign, specifically East Asian detective working a an American case. In a lot of like film and television and comic books, then you had an Englishman who was also solving murders. He sort of took on the the Scotland Yard detective. Yeah, the sort of classic British detective, Charleston. Then you had a guy who was not French. He was Belgian, but for all intents and purposes, he was French. And he was supposed to be the sort of Jacques Cousteau over-the-top kind of Pink Panthery type Superier Superier so funny and then you had the last one which was the English woman who again not probably established at the time of this movie I'm not sure exactly when this started but she was Angela Lansbury yeah she, she was, was in murder she was murder she, she burned, was right?
2: basically if you took Agatha Christie and made her into Angela Lansbury yep yep so it really kind of like filled out the spectrum of
1: Stereotypes with regard to like detectives and like you know the whodunits, which is fucking clever. I think, oh, like, yeah, I think really, that's a
0: yeah. really fucking clever thing to be like, we're gonna spoof murder mysteries, we're gonna like, and it's like, all okay, of them. all of them, okay. But you've got all sorts of murder mysteries, you've got the you know film noir types, you've got the uh, the cozy the, murder mystery, yeah. You got the Agatha Christie, what's, what's his name, uh, Hercule Poirot. Poirot was her one of Agatha Christie's big ones, you've got sort of the East Asian bend you know and a lot of you know that kind of shit you've got all of these different the Sherlock Holmes Sherlock Holmes that's that is who the British guy is riffing yeah at. yeah yeah the- for sure. Sherlock Holmes thank you for bringing that up and it's like what a fucking creative way to be like, let's cover all our bases. And you know what? All of them are in it. <laughs> yep. what,
1: what, what made it so good is all of their counterparts, all of their plus ones. Really, like the comedy would not have worked so well were it not for their riffing back and forth with, you know, their, their plus ones. Detective Wang had Willie and there were so many jokes back and forth with that. He was his adopted son, and he happened to be Japanese, and so there was a lot of, like, jokes at that expense. The Frenchman had, uh, what, what was his name? His,
0: his driver, his chauffeur. Uh, uh, I, forget I his can't name.
2: remember his name either.
1: But he that was James Cromwell, I think. Yes. yes. He yes. Play them. And just their chemistry was so hilarious. The Englishman had Maggie Smith dora charleston oh so good who's his wife yeah and she would frequently be the one to like call out the obvious things in the room and then he would kind of like bristle a little bit and then just repeat what she said you know that was that was a really common theme back and forth between them Oh, what's her face the the female detective marbles marbles jessica marbles yeah Yeah, um she had her nurse with her but her nurse was like
0: you know a thousand years old (laughs) yeah Yeah. it must have been her wet nurse like she she was like at least 20 or 30 years older than she was her nurse needed a nurse and
1: she was that it was was so, so so silly and then uh who was it it was um
0: Peter Falk. Peter Falk's
1: character. character. He had the, the blonde bombshell. The, the film noir
0: type just he was. The, the
1: chemistry between all of the principal characters and their plus ones was amazing.
0: And I think what's sort of interesting that just sort of now occurred to me is like all of their plus ones I feel like were designed to specifically detract, cut down, and sort of like piece apart their characters. Yeah. Right. Their plus their plus ones were specifically designed to make their characters seem ridiculous where in their standard context they would seem amazing and heroic and clever and whatever it happens to be their plus ones were all designed to sort of take them to pieces and reveal things about them that would humanize them (laughs) you know like like it gets revealed that the rich english guy is like actually not rich and he's actually a really poor investor and he's got no money and he's he's actually just this stuffy effete society type the sort of hard-nosed san francisco but let's say bronx type detective who's taken bullets and he's just like the epitome of masculinity in 1976 is secretly closet is secretly gay and you know he's yeah. it is funny how each of them sort of get taken apart by their associate yeah and Perrier is outed
2: quite often by his assistant Marcel for being weak and stuffy and having a sweet tooth and Marcel often is the reason that Perrier is still alive. Right, right. Yeah, or- Pink Panthery kind of right? yes. like
0: or um Mr. Magoo even. Yeah. Right, like Mr. Magoo doesn't actually solve these things or like figure things out. He gets lucky and has a lot of help he stumbles upon
2: a situation where he is spoon-fed the right answer and takes the credit and that's that's perrier in this movie
1: yeah yeah yeah. it was it was beautifully crafted and how they did this okay so they're at the dinner they're told
0: by their host played by Truman Capote (laughs) yep
1: that tonight at the stroke of midnight someone in this room will be murdered by someone
2: else in this room. And I feel like the next, like, major chunk of the film can be summed up by playing the Benny Hill theme.
1: Yeah.
2: It's just all shenanigans the whole time. There's, like,
1: a running bit where, like, Like, every painting and every taxidermied head in this mansion, the eyes get, like, pulled out by, like, some weird secret passageway behind it, and then there's, like, a real eye that kind of, like, pokes out and just watching. Dude, I lost it when there's, like, a painting of a dog. And it's (laughs) it's not even, like, it's not even center stage. Like, the, the characters are just walking past this picture, and all of a sudden, like you see a human tongue come out of this, like, dog painting's mouth and just start, like, wagging it. It's so fucking weird. It's, like,
0: panting, and there's no reason for there to be a tongue hole. No, not at all! Eye holes are sufficient. You don't need to cut out the dog's tongue hole.
2: Well, and, and Willie even brings it up. He's like... The dog! And he's like, yeah, dogs stick their tongue out. Let's move on. <laughs> You're right, yeah, right, I can't move on from this. What is What is going on?
0: Um, also, it sort of gets revealed that the host is a master of mechanics and automation and shit like that. So the house, it's never fully explained, but the house, like, moves or some flavor of that where you open a door and it's one room and then you close it and wait a certain amount of time and then it's another room. So shit's moving around. It's all designed to sort of fuck with the detectives. And the motivation by the host, uh, played by Truman Capote, is basically Truman Capote's character wants to prove that he is The greatest detective in the world. The greatest criminologist, as they put it, in the world. Above and beyond these five, who are considered the best five. Right.
2: They are the top in their field. All of them are competing for the number one spot. And Truman Cabote's character is like, y'all are fools. I'm the best. Mm Mwahaha!
0: It's like Usain Bolt and his fellas being approached by some tubby asshole on the street and being like, by the way, I'm the fastest in a foot race. And I can prove it. And I can prove it.
1: By killing one of you. Yes! <laughs> um, okay, so, there's definitely some back and forth. They they take turns leaving the room uh, like, in groups, and then coming back in the room.
2: At one point, they discover that the butler is dead at the kitchen table, and they leave the room, come back to the room, and... The body is gone, but the clothes are still there,
1: arranged at the table,
2: as, as if th- a
0: body were sitting in them. Yep. yep.
1: And then they leave the room, and they come back in the room, and now the butler is there naked, but the clothes a- are gone. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's that those kinds of like just weird sort of like hijinks that they that they run into, uh, like a funhouse. It's basically a funhouse. Yeah. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. And it's all designed to test and fuck with their ability to detect certain things to the point where like initially, like Mark said, you know the eyes of paintings would sort of like get pulled back and then it would be human eyes sort of looking out. But that sort of transitions pretty quick when you realize that like Truman Capote is the fucking like mastermind behind this. He's like talking to them through the paintings yeah. and through the moose head. And, you know, oh, he's, he's having active conversations with
2: them. He's like giving them clues because they get stumped. So he's talking through the taxidermy, the toxidermy, if you will, Mm-hmm. Uh, ooh. To the uh, detectives. I mean, he's
1: even like correcting like their grammar. Yes. Like, he's just this pretentious little turd, you know? That's um, a good way of putting him, yeah. Okay, so clock strikes midnight. I think the door opens, and what is the character's name? Truman compared with. Especially
0: the with a W.
2: Uh, he's Lionel Twain, Twain. Lionel Twain. Okay, yeah. Told you there was a W. Yeah.
1: What? Twain. He falls into the room.
2: Stabbed 12 times with a butcher knife. Yep. Yep. Which is exactly how he described that the murder would take place when he introduced them all at 30 minutes to midnight.
1: Then they go to
0: bed? I thought he was going to say they go to commercial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, cut to commercial, brought to you by Borax. Yes. It will take stains out of your clothes. Oh, yeah. Brought to you by Thompson's Teeth, the only teeth strong enough to eat other teeth. It's <laughs> <laughs> a very explicit Futurama reference, but it's my favorite. Um,
1: so they they go to bed, right? I mean, what's what's the transition between dead they, body so and So they and... do
0: have a small window where they try to, like, solve the stabbing, the murder of Twain, some of them pin it on the butler, some of them pin it on the cook. And it gets revealed that they all have a motive. Again, Clue, right? Like, everybody oh. in Clue, it comes out about halfway through that everybody was being blackmailed by Mr. Body, right? Everybody in this movie had a connection to Twain, and their connection, all of them would suggest that they would have a motive enough to Every kill him. Every single one of them was a motive for murder.
1: Yep, yep. And they'll even, like, there's, like, one bit where, like, I hadn't gotten around to it yet. Lord. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, that, like I to was it. gonna
2: kill him, but somebody beat me to it. Yeah. Um,
1: okay, so they haven't figured it out. They go to bed for the night. Each one of them encounters some element that tries to kill them, and it's all different. Like somebody's got a scorpion that was like crawling up their bed. Somebody has um, a
2: venomous snake.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's a poisonous gas that's led into another room. The fucking ceiling starts coming down to, like, squish another group. There's on, a bomb
0: on. in the bed. <laughs> okay, I want to talk about this ceiling coming down. Because I was going to say it during the movie, and then I was like, Nope, this is good podcast fodder. <laughs> um, okay, so, earlier in the film, somebody calls Perrier Frenchie. Yes. And he says, No, I am a Belgian." Yes. Okay, so we can establish that Perrier and likely, as an extension, his chauffeur, Marcel, are Belgian. Yes. Not French, okay? In this scene, when the ceiling is coming down, his chauffeur, played by James Cromwell, a fairly tall guy, probably about six foot four, a reasonably strong man, he tries to lift up the ceiling and actually ends up succeeding in holding the ceiling up. Now, I propose this to you um, Land down under. To my knowledge, at this point, was not penned. But this was a man from Brussels, six foot four and full of muscles. <laughs> it's true. Call me wrong. Tell me I'm wrong.
1: I can't I can't tell you I, you're right. I
0: around. have to say I think men at work ripped off. Murder by death. Murder by death.
1: We're we're cracking the case. We're this is the mystery.
0: This is the fucking mystery. Yeah. Come on, guys. Wow. you heard it here. You heard it here. The hottest take that there ever was. James Cromwell is in fact the man from Brussels, six foot four and full of muscles. And I I mean admittedly I didn't see a Vegemite sandwich, but the guy he held up that ceiling mighty well.
1: Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Three men in a mystery that takes place in a basement.
0: Are we the mystery men? We me. 1408. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry, I was trying to help. I didn't. I didn't help. I'm
1: sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right over me. <laughs> you know, something like that. Okay. Um, Enemy mine. <laughs> Ooh.
0: She's mine. She's mine.
1: Ech god I, w- I really wish that there was like a visual element here because <laughs> yeah I played along you heard my, but there was such like palpable there was dis- visible and notable reticence yeah, yeah
0: there was there's things that just didn't translate to the mic yeah
1: I played along but I judged he did it was a judgmental you know as you as you have i mean which i mean how
0: much can you put into it right like you can put a lot in there. no I know but you can't pack i mean can't can't pack all that judgment in there i mean you can pack a lot in a, uh okay so, so everybody we, dies yeah and it's actually kind of a bleak ending.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. sort of a bummer, really. Yeah. Or um, nobody dies. Uh, this is okay. So we transition. This is actually, I guess, this is the final scene, really. It is
0: absolutely the final scene. And it, we oh, march through this quick stething. because that is sort of the. You know, yeah. I mean,
2: again, this movie is an hour and 34 minutes, so it's not a long movie, but a lot happens
0: in that time. It is so quick and so rapid pace. I mean, basically, I mean, I have said this, I don't know how many countless times, right? Like, it's not long, but it's effective. Yes, Right,
1: right. And I, I don't want to, like, break the basement wall or nothing here, but... Um, Jackson is dog uh, but thing. you can't hear him. It's a sex thing. <laughs> it's a sex
0: thing. Because uh, Jackson... In the joke that I was, uh, it was talking about my penis,
1: he's a grower, not a shower.
0: <laughs> You've been on the floor before and whimpered that you you have done that right. In, this in week times fast. This week, yeah, right. yeah.
1: He wasn't talking about you then, though. No, not me. Not that. Not, week. not, this not week. last time.
0: Not this week. Right.
1: Yeah. yeah. That was yesterday.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. <coughs> um it's start? Not- i don't know i have mondays off so no, oh, yeah no it's i i know not to break I've seen those videos
1: the fourth basement wall here but there was a moment where we had to pause our viewing for a second and i looked up at how much time was left in this movie and i saw that we were near the end of it and i felt cheated <laughs> i felt like like because you know we're, we're in the last scene and i could tell that like the movie was coming to an end there and like I wasn't ready for it. I love this movie so much.
0: It does end more abruptly, I think, than you expect. Yeah. Um, but it, it, not. I wasn't
1: dissatisfied. I was. No, just, it's a
0: great ending, but it definitely, like, you're right. I like, wanted more. There, it could have done with another 20, 30 minutes.
1: Yeah. Okay, so this last scene was basically, like, the last scene in, like, Scooby-Doo, you know, where... Oh, yeah. Nah, here's uh, who the real
0: murderer Old was. Old Man Jenkins.
1: Yeah, and they go around, and, like, the first person in the room...
0: The presumption is everybody is dead. Yeah. Based on the things that were sent into the rooms to kill. The murderer is crossing their names off the list.
1: Well, everyone is dead. The butler has died. You know. The
0: cook has died. The host has died. Yeah. Yeah. This movie, again, like, in Clue, there are just countless scenes where there is the bad guy, or girl, and all you see are, like, loved hands doing something, right? Like, there is a murderer, quote-unquote. This movie does the exact same thing. There is a murderer, and actually, people occasionally throughout the movie will receive notes, like, blah, 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 signed, the murderer, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. You know, it is so explicit. And so at the end of the movie, basically everybody's fate gets left as a cliffhanger but the presumption is that they're dead and then the murderer as indicated by the gloved hands and the over the shoulder shot is basically saying okay well they're all dead now
1: he's crossing their names off of a list yeah Yeah. and the
0: host is dead the butler's dead and the cook was an automaton
1: yeah oh my god so kind of in quick succession we find out that all of the leads survived the night they come into the room they explain how they survived i think one of them the, the room that had like the gas that came into it you know they just said her nurse like breathed all the gas and i covered my mouth and she breathed it all in you know um, and she goes sick you poo <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's so funny oh my god. um but yeah there are I don't even remember all the different accusations that were made, but, like, one of them is even, like, this person, the, the murder was actually me, Sam Diamond. He, uh, yeah, yeah.
2: You know, He's <laughs> like, I was an actor hired for the
0: weekend, and the murderer was actually <laughs> the real Sam Diamond. Yeah. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> but the best part of this movie and I think this scene is so critical to tying that all together that this movie's job is to poke fun at the murder mystery whatever form it may take the classic marching in and saying I have figured it out it was you person A and I know because of this and blah 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 occasionally yeah. when you have that another person will march in and go but it was actually you person B oh! not person A and then everybody goes oh you know <laughs> but and as happened five fucking times when- and it just kept evolving in every fucking time they would accuse the killer which was initially Alec Guinness's character the butler every time they accused him of being somebody else he would immediately adopt that persona <laughs> And just sort of, like, roll with it for a second. One of them was a woman. One of them was a German guy. (laughs) Until somebody else marched in and accused him of being somebody else. And then he would adopt a different personality. But then at the end of
2: all this, (laughs) so all five have accused the butler of being another person altogether. And then the butler rips off his face and it's actually Truman Capote. (laughs) Or so we think. Or so we think.
1: Oh, my God. Um... Okay, so, boom, boom, everybody's leaving. We go back to the mansion, and there's one final reveal. Truman Capote... Pulls a mask off and it's really it's the actress that played the cook. The cook.
0: Just th- and then she just cackles maniacally as the credits roll. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> maniacally puts it, puts it too too delicately. It was a great laugh. It was, <laughs> it was <laughs>
2: phenomenal. And the best part was it was actually Truman Capote laughing and not the actress that played the cook. Mm-hmm. It's he, so good.
0: So another important component of that scene that we did not mention is that after this sort of succession of accusations where Al Guinness is constantly adopting new personalities and then a eventually reveals himself to be Truman Capote's character he goes into this, like, fucking overture at the end about, like, how fucking frustrating it is for readers of mystery and murder fiction and shit like that because the author intentionally withholds facts. They'll introduce new characters at the last minute. Like, they employ all of these really fucking trite, annoying tricks to try to not have the reader, or the viewer, in the case of film and television, guess who the killer is. And it's so fucking annoying because if you actually review it with a, like a closer eye or a closer lens, you're like, there's no fucking way anybody could predict it because there there was insufficient information. And like most, I think people, if you pulled them who like that kind of genre, would say that part of the fun is guessing and being able to put the pieces together. And if you intentionally withhold information or you wait to introduce a very pivotal character, like it's almost not fun anymore because you're you're just lying to me. Right? And I, nobody can win because the nobody game can is win. Rigged. That's it. Nobody can win because the game is rigged. You're totally right. Thank you for saying that. That's exactly what I was going for. And it's so fucking, like, interesting and refreshing to see this very, you know, I hate this fucking term, but, like, let's say meta monologue delivered by Truman Capote, where he derides all mystery and sort of, like, thriller authors and writers for employing these cheap, dirty tricks. That he uses the entire night. This movie uses, like, to our satisfaction when he dives into this soliloquy. God, it's beautiful. (laughs) So,
1: perfect segue. Let's just gush for a little bit. Some of the things (laughs) that really popped out about this movie that we really liked. For me, the quippiness. Maybe I'm just naive, but rarely do I watch a movie that is this old, and I find the humor so quippy and so fresh. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like the comedy, the lines, and again, it it probably is my own ignorance. I don't envision old movies as being funny. You know, they can be Uh, quirky. Oftentimes,
2: no. And a lot of it happens because of the delivery. Yeah. For me, the delivery, especially in older films, is slower and more deliberately paced. And I feel like I'm hanging on every single word, waiting for the punchline that never comes. This was not that. No. And I also find that in a lot of older movies, and feel free to challenge me on this, they're almost hesitant to be offensive, so they definitely hold court, and they toe the line, but not enough. Yeah, this this went all...
1: You know what this really reminds me of? I kind of wish I'd brought it up earlier. The Monty Python crew, you know? Yes!
0: Yeah, a little, the, yeah. the
1: speed within which they're, like, delivering the jokes, the absolute absurdity, you know? The jokes that are, like, a split second long that are just for the person who's, like, paying attention, you know? If, if you look the other way while the movie's playing, you're gonna miss it because they don't linger on it. Like, there's so many of those little, like, just side absurd jokes in this movie. I could gush about it for hours.
0: The writing. The writing was top notch. It was the best. It was the best. I also thought, again, this almost doesn't need to be said with the cast that we told you about in the beginning, but the acting was superb. You know? I suppose it does need to be said in the sense that, like, I can't remember what we watched. We had a movie I don't know, maybe five or six episodes ago. I can't remember what it was, but there was something where, like, we had kind of a heavy-hitting crew, and I felt like everybody underperformed. This movie is basically everybody performing at their best. Oh, absolutely. Peter Sellers, his performance is on par with his performance in Doctor Strange Love. Maggie Smith, on par with Professor McGonagall. Every fucking person brought Peter their... Peter Falk, Columbo. Oh, brought their A-game.
1: Yeah. And it also captured, like, there are some current modern actors that I absolutely love. I find them hilarious, but, like, I don't necessarily love them in star roles, like Jack Black and Will Ferrell. I love Jack Black and Will Ferrell movies. Yeah. But I find they are at their best when they are not playing the main character. You know, when it's just, like, a bit part and they can just play to their strengths. These were all heavy hitters that could hold their own movies but they were played to their strengths in the same way that I enjoy a Jack Black or Will Ferrell in nowadays I don't I don't know if my connection's making sense no, Hang on,
0: how do you feel about the scene in Anchorman where Jack Black and Will Ferrell are both in the same scene because Will Ferrell had the audacity to throw a burrito out of his window.
1: I fucking lost my mind with Did that Did your scene. head explode? That's the scene that I'm talking about <laughs> <laughs> That is the scene that I'm talking about That's Jack Black's only scene in that movie and I had to watch that scene like 50 times before I can keep watching
0: it. Like, it's. Did you just throw a burrito out your window, dude? Yeah. <laughs> what do you love? Oh my god. Well, it's, it's. Didn't you see what happened? I did. That's quite a raspberry.
2: <laughs> I don't know if if any of you have seen the show Community, but there is one
0: episode in Community. I think there's a couple more than one. There's, um,
1: there's a few more than one. Well, I've only. I've never seen it, so there might only be one. And it's fair. So um, episode?
0: It feels like We call lot. that a movie. Yeah.
2: Uh, but there's one episode where Jack Black is in the cast. Oh, is he? totally randomly just shows up at the beginning of the season and presumably replaces one of the characters like (laughs) delivering lines that that character would deliver and then that character walks in the room and basically goes the fuck are you doing here and he (laughs) goes oh yeah sorry I'm the new guy I'm in your Spanish class I heard this was a study group and I wanted to join (laughs) and they kick him out of the group immediately and he spends the entire episode trying to get back into the group and then you never see him again and that's That's exactly what you're referring to. Jack Black in particular in this instance is like so phenomenal because he shows up out of nowhere, delivers his line and then leaves. I make this comparison often, but it was like a fart in an elevator. Came out of
1: nowhere and then just
2: peaced out. Yeah. And it's funny. A fart in an elevator is
1: funny. Absolutely. As long as you're not in the elevator for the entire duration. You know, arguably it's still funny.
0: I, I completely understand, respect and admire your points. And I do have actors that sort of fit that bill. Personally, I will disagree with Jack Black and Will Ferrell from that point. But the point stands. Yes. And I, I get what you're driving at. And, but,
1: and honestly, the reason why those two names came up was because of the exact scene that see? you just referenced. <laughs> because that is exactly what I mean.
2: But put Jack Black in Anchorman versus Jack Black in Gulliver's Travels.
1: Yeah. I, I don't need to watch him the whole time.
0: Nope. Like it's fine. But School of Rock school rock
1: but again bringing us back i actually kind of
0: like gulliver's travels to be honest it's not terrible but it's not as funny as it's 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 okay
1: yeah uh bringing us back to (laughs) the movie that we're actually talking about (laughs) these were heavy hitters that had to share the screen time with five other mains and then each one of their
0: five
2: mains and five sides all of
0: which were legendary yeah i mean the sides were like maggie smith was a side
2: yeah like, maggie yeah, smith that's, <laughs> maggie smith arguably got about what 15 minutes of screen time between the 12 yeah. actors in this film that totally dominated
1: but like they all knocked it out for just you've got two minutes to make us laugh and you know you, then you, we're moving on you, you, you crammed in 15 minutes of laughs in those two minutes
0: nobody failed
2: no. no. Even Richard Narita, who we didn't even bring up when we were bringing up the cast. Richard Narita plays Willy Wang. His lines were phenomenal. And, you know, he got a couple minutes of screen time all together. And still, every single joke landed with a home run.
1: Yeah, because he, he kind of played the straight man to... Sidney um, Wang. Yeah, who was just crazy. I wonder if it was intentional to include an actor who was actually Asian. Playing an American? Yeah, with, you know... I think it was... Uh, I, I think it I, would argue I think that a, it was hundred percent. I think it was
0: definitely intentional. I think the reason it was intentional was, like I said, everybody's side was there to tear down. It was the foil, the caricature of the of the main.
1: Like, like Tropic Thunder, where they had those like riffs back and forth, like, what do you mean you people?
0: Yes, yeah. so exactly, it was exactly. that. I don't think it was so tone-deaf, even though it was a racist character. Like, again, every side was there to tear down the original, right? The hot, blonde bombshell was there to tear down the overly masculine, film noir-type detective. Maggie the- Smith
2: was there to tear down the Sherlock Holmes, who was this brilliant detective and yet missed
0: just all of the Im- clues. Just infallible, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, they were absolutely there to tear down the caricature.
1: So I'm sure there's probably a few more, uh, you know, stones we can overturn here. Talked about the writing. We talked about
0: the quippiness. Yeah. One thing I would probably add just real quick is I feel like I would not add creativity. If this movie came out after Clue, but before. And the fact that like they are so explicit and, again, I hate this term, but meta about the source material that they're riffing. I thought it was really fucking creative. Absolutely. It, the writing was bang Absolutely. on. Bang on.
2: Mm-hmm. Mark, what were you going to say?
0: Yeah, Mark. What were you going to say?
2: I don't know. What was I going to
1: say? You were setting me up. Yeah. Yeah. But that's me setting you up. Yeah. When I don't have anything to say, I set someone else up. It makes me look uh, good at what I do.
2: You were setting me up for one thing in particular. One thing that I am famous for bringing up in Necrophilia? every single episode. Necrophilia. Yeah. How do you feel about it? Tacky. It's really... So f- tacky. Oh, my God. It Is pretty tacky.
1: I can't believe that they made a... A necrophilia joke. It's unbelievable. That Maggie Smith delivered. I know. Wendy Darling thinks it's tacky.
2: Wendy Moira Angela Darling.
0: Yes.
1: I'm sorry. I'm (laughs) sorry. Don't you dare disrespect Maggie
2: Smith. Oh my
1: God, dude. I felt like the, the, the humor felt modern, which makes me feel out of touch because I didn't know that people could laugh 40 years ago.
0: They didn't. They didn't? They didn't, no. Okay, yeah. This movie was made sort of as an experiment to see, okay, we're just going to throw a whole bunch of shit at a wall and see if in 40 years this is funny. Turns out it is. It is, yeah. No, they they hit the target, but... I wish um, most of
2: them were still alive. I I really just thought it was just You know, in
0: 76, this was not a comedy. I I actually believe this was pretty much a drama. I think it was like like akin to like the piano.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, like back in the day, it was just like wooden teeth and constipation.
0: Yeah. And a touch of dysentery. Yep. Just a, Well, just a t- wait, are you saying I'm, you're constipated with wooden teeth? Well, I feel like I mean, that would
2: give you dysentery.
0: I mean, shitting wooden teeth would definitely give you dysentery. Is that what I'm doing wrong? That's what you're doing wrong. All
2: right. That's why you have blood in your stools. God damn
0: it. Stop putting those teeth in there, man.
1: I... Told you that picture was just for you. Now everyone's seen
0: it. I, I... Listen, listen, Instagram is a very enticing option for me, okay? I want followers, and when I see an asshole full of teeth, wooden teeth to boot, I'm going to post it. I'm going to post it.
1: I'm clicking on that link. Asshole full of teeth.
0: Asshole full of teeth. God.
1: Wooden teeth? Or is that too... (laughs) No, no, that's
2: that's too specific. They've got to be able to branch out. That's fair. Yeah. Ivory
0: teeth. Yep. Metal teeth. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Jesus.
1: You know, I don't know. Um, okay. Asshole
0: full of metal teeth. (laughs) Chomp, chomp, motherfucker.
1: I I feel like I've seen that
0: movie. I've seen that movie
1: too. Those teeth aren't biting me. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Okay. So, um, (laughs) I could think of a million other things that I liked about this movie, but they all fall under the category of like the writing and the humor and the delivery. Yeah. Outside of those things, I I did feel like the, well, let me ask you
2: something.
0: Buckle up, Jackson.
1: How uh, did you feel about the cinematography?
2: Honestly, it was brilliant. It was. This movie came out in 76. Clearly, it was set between the 50s and 60s. All of the cars were classics from the 50s, maybe even earlier. The architecture was clearly from like the 1800s. I mean, this was a very old house. It was Xanadu. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So the cinematography in this movie was so clever and so decisive and so meticulous. I loved it because every scene was shot with intent purpose and focus the entryway where two characters are walking up to the door and then suddenly stop and something's wrong and they cut to the next shot and there's footprints on the floor where they're supposed to be standing when the gargoyle falls off the house and kills them
0: Actually, one cool aspect of that, again, from like a, s- a cinematography aspect, is like the shot is framed more or less in the door frame, and the characters walk up, and then they both jump to the side out of the frame before the calamity comes down from above, which I thought was kind of creative.
2: Yeah, and you see the classic shot of the murderer slowly using their gloved hands to position the murder mm-hmm. weapon. You see the entryway, the foyer, where Sir Alec Guinness opens the door and says, "Please." let me shut the door and then shuts the door the wrong way with the door gaping wide open and you see this wide frame shot them walking up the staircase and clearly The camera was off of the staircase because you see the entire banister as they come up. Mm -hmm. So, honestly, the cinematography in this was an homage to older films. And it was indicative of the time period that this movie was set in, not the time that it was released. Because in the time that it was released, they had the time... I mean... This movie came out a year before Star Wars. Clearly, the technology existed for them to have amazing special effects and cinematography, but they used the cinematography skills and techniques of Older generations of film and they used it so perfectly and so poetically and so decisively, I thought it was
0: brilliant. Yeah. Can we just like appreciate the fact though that like if that wasn't the case, right, if they decided to not do that, I have full confidence that Maggie Smith could fly down a whole fucking trench and then shoot a laser down a small thermal exhaust port, no bigger than a womp rat. It's just like bullshitting womp, rat, womp rats back home. I mean yep. you know, it's two meters, no bigger than a womp rat. Yeah. And you know, destroying the space station that is going to bring terror into destruction to the galaxy yeah. i mean it, I we assess. all saw that coming yeah right and then they decided at the last minute to sort of like pivot and do the cinematography a little bit different mm-hmm. but let's be honest maggie smith would have pulled it off yep
1: yep, yep. the essence was still there okay so let's uh, switch a little bit what did we not like i mean i mm-hmm. the only thing for me the only thing that i didn't like was the outdated representations yep now i still privately <clears throat> nobody saw me giggled i still felt that the humor was still effective but the depictions are very dated they don't hold up to today's modern lens they come out today they're going to
0: be we we've already the the horse is properly dead it, you know it can translate into cringe humor yes right it's michael yeah. scott but, you know, as we've examined it a little bit more, I kind of wonder, again, we had made that point earlier about how, like, each person's plus one is there almost explicitly to tear them down and to sort of reveal the flaws in the trope that is each of the main five detective characters. The blonde bombshell, Peter Falk's plus one, she is there to reveal the cracks in his overt masculinity, right? He is the man's man who's sitting there drinking coffee and whiskey and, you know, he's and got a...
2: dressing. And dragon and gay and, bars
0: and got a 36 at his hip and she is there to sort of tear that down and reveal like oh no this guy's actually gay and effeminate he just doesn't like to show that right. maggie smith's husband the sherlock holmes archetype is
2: secretly a moron yeah
0: he's not only secretly a moron but also like gives off this air of somebody who has sort of unlimited wealth and power and influence and, and is this sort of effete high society type and he is actually not none of those things right he's actually kind of crass and he doesn't have any money and he's a poor investor and he's actually kind of stupid. All of the characters have this, but to your point about the... Are you talking about Wang's character? Yeah. Wang's yeah. character, his plus one, his adopted son, who is Japanese, is there, I kind of wonder if the racist depiction of Sidney Wang as a white person playing a racist Asian caricature was not as tone deaf as we might interpret it today. It does in a lot of ways, like, sort of tears that caricature down and sort of reveals it for what it is. Okay. In some ways, I kind of wonder if the inclusion of that character is important because you need it to be present in order for it to be deconstructed.
1: I, right. I, I think so because, like his plus one, they actually used an, an Asian actor, and they didn't burden that actor with any stereotypes. He's just a right. normal dude, just like a p- pretty
0: average point Asian him, American guy.
2: Yeah, at yeah. one point you see him in their room working
0: out, and he's wearing a USC T-shirt. Yeah, doesn't have an accent. Doesn't he's, have an accent. He he is in no way a stereotype. Um, a stereotype, right? So and you're... the things that he says and does in his interactions with his adopted father, quote unquote, really do sort of reveal that caricature for what it is in the same way that the others do. So, actually kind of interesting. I'm 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 glad that we're talking about this the way that we are because I feel like our initial interpretation was it was a very like tone-deaf inclusion that they thought would be gimmicky and funny in 1976 but I'm kind he, of actually I feel like changing my tone a little bit and maybe it was like a really intentional and well-placed caricature that they were trying to deconstruct well, over the course of the movie and part of me wonders if Capote did it for shock value
1: yeah it's possible yeah I mean because was Willie the, the plus his name was Willie right Willie Wang did not have an accent he had he had an American accent there, there <laughs> so, was really no stereotype whatsoever dude. applied to him so like the more we kind of talk about it, like like you were saying I, I think that maybe Detective Wang character was meant to be a white guy playing an asian stereotype that was meant to be weighted against his counter his plus one
0: much in the same way of like robert downey jr in in tropic thunder tropic thunder yeah right like the audience was in on the joke and everybody in the movie was in on the the joke joke. like there were no secrets about the joke yeah you know it's funny the more we discuss this I really feel like that may have been the case I don't want to like stake my reputation that that was the case but just how fundamental of a role those plus ones played in the revealing of the nature and the sort of like absurdity exactly that's a great word absurdity of those detective characters makes me think that that was the reason why they Decided to play Wang in that way.
2: Yeah, it's also revealed that Sidney Wang is the illegitimate child of Lionel Twain, who's white, who is a white guy. So at the very least, Sidney Wang is
0: half Caucasian. Yeah, I don't. Oof. Yeah. This is interesting. I don't, again, don't know if I'd stake my reputation on it, but I'm glad that we sort of like circled to this because I feel like there's enough... every time I've watched this, I've always just kind of been like, ooh. <laughs> right. But there's not fatter to make a cake here. Yeah. I think, you know, if there's any element of truth in what we're discussing, I think it's actually like, in some ways, kind of refreshing to know that like people were that perceptive in 76 that they could cobble this together oh, yeah. to make that statement. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, this caricature of the East Asian detective solving crime but is constantly throwing out like super an overt racist comments or deliveries, whatever it happens to be, is something that we can take potshots at. In the same way that we can take potshots at the film noir.
1: And it would make sense too.
0: Detective. You
1: know, this movie was so witty. Mile-a-minute jokes at every single thing. I do find it difficult to think that they could be so tone-deaf in this regard. And again, maybe, you're, maybe we're feeling uncomfortable and we're trying to find excuses to not feel uncomfortable. But I think your point, Jackson, the inclusion of USC shirt. Everything that they wore in this movie was intentional. That was an intentional choice. I can definitely see that being just just evidence of that. Yeah. Um, But okay. Anyway, um, other things that we didn't like
2: I... Honestly, the only thing that made me look a different way was the depiction of Sidney Wang, just because of what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, it made me uncomfortable when Sidney Wang's character was revealed on screen. All three of us very uncomfortably looked at each other, and we're like, "That's Peter Sellers, right? Like, that's I'm not imagining. That's a white guy. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Uh, moving on. Let's see where this goes. But I think that was the only thing about this film that. I genuinely didn't like. Yep.
1: And I think it's fair that we we can still read it as we're coming to, you know, that they were aware of what they were doing and it was meant for the gag, and still be uncomfortable with the jokes that were made at that character's expense, you know? I think both things can be
0: true. But That's why we call ourselves the Ultra Crepidarians, right? Yes. Because we don't know shit about shit, so... Well, I know everything. We like to wax philosophic about things that we don't know about, but Mark knows a lot about.
1: Yes. I know so much about so many things. Like, I can't even list them off how many things I know. Yeah. Like, I tried counting one time, I ran out of
0: fingers. He even used my fingers. Yeah. I have to unzip to count to 11. <laughs> well you, uh, you have to use your one
2: ball. Yeah. How many pinkies you got? None.
1: No pinkies. You, you no got, pinkies. You got
2: eight fingers? Nope. I have 10 fingers. I just don't have any pinkies. Huh. Interesting. That is a joke from the movie, <laughs> which you will enjoy later.
1: God damn it. Perfect metric. Pinkies. Oh. It's not on the table anymore. No one
2: can <clears> No, he, <clears throat> he took it. There are no pinkies. Son of a bitch.
1: Okay, uh, so we, are we going to move into quotes? Because I can't think of anything else I didn't like. Yeah. Fucking do it. All right, who's going to lead us off? I'll start. So
2: I have five quotes.
0: Are we still rounding up to seven? Yes. Okay. So I have seven seven quotes. quotes. Got it. Okay. Uh,
2: The first one is legitimately like in the first couple minutes of the movie. David Niven's character is at a payphone calling the house that they are about to attend. And the line goes dead. And he looks at Maggie and he says, I could have sworn I heard someone snip the wire. And she says, what did it sound like? He says, snip (laughs) So dumb Um, So funny So my next quote is from Sidney Wang's character And I'm going to disclaimer this By saying that Sidney Wang's character is portrayed by a white man And has a very thick Exaggerated and racially insensitive Accent But for the integrity of the movie And the integrity of the context In which these lines are delivered I'm going to deliver this in the accent That is portrayed in the film You've been warned So Sidney Wang's character has a lot of these little one-liners, these little, like, proselytizing prophecies. And it's very akin to fortune cookie wisdom. Yeah. Or
0: like the Confucius says jokes. Yes. And he says,
2: big house, like man married to fat woman, hard to get around.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's not wrong
2: he's not wrong it's offensive in so many ways <laughs> um my next line is from perrier who's just ingested the uh, supposedly poisoned wine that he is very confident is not actually poisoned and they're just downed yeah he just <laughs> drains the glass and immediately starts choking like he's been poisoned and everyone freaks out and he goes no no my wine is not poisoned it's just a bad
0: year. Because <laughs> he's simultaneously, like...
2: He's
1: only concerned about the food. Yeah, he's Rice. a
0: bad detective, but he's also, like, first and foremost, like, a glutton and
2: an elitist. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's very focused on eating the entire time. My next line is also from Sidney Wang. So, again, you've been warned. Upon discovering the dead butler at the table, it says, No pulse, no heartbeat. If condition does not change... This man is dead.
0: <laughs> so true. Honestly, if you continue without a pulse or a heartbeat for too long, it's, it's not good for you. Health-wise, it's not good for you. Yeah.
1: Things don't generally pick up after. No.
2: Yeah. My last quote is from Sam Diamond. Truman Capote's character falls into the dining room with a dozen stab wounds and a butcher knife sticking out of his back. And one of the characters goes, oh my God, is he dead? He goes, with a thing like that in his back, he's better off. <laughs> oh my God, i could so have good. continued for ages i could have come out of so this with quotes. 20 30 40 quotes okay so i have got two quotes uh, this evening uh
1: one of them is also by mr wang so um like uh like jackson said i'm gonna i'm gonna deliver this as it was presented we've talked about this ad nauseum so the quote goes questions are like athlete's foot after a while I can't. I, I went straight fucking Russian. You, you I went go fucking go, go, Russian.
0: God, you, you're what is so going Russian. On?
1: I always, I always go back to Russian. You know what? Just fucking leave all this in. Questions are like athlete's foot. After a while, they're very annoying. It's fucking hilarious. Says, says Ivan. Says Ivan, <laughs> Ivan can say it. You know, Mr. Wang can say it. who. It doesn't matter. It's a fucking. It's hilarious line. Okay. Questions are like athlete's foot. After a while,
0: they're very annoying. I'm gonna use <laughs> that. That's pretty great. I'm gonna use that in my life. Yes. Yeah, because no, that's that is definitely one that you could just sort of employ.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I can hear De Niro saying it too. Questions are like athlete's foot. After a while, they're very annoying. Very annoying. <laughs> that's so good.
1: Okay, second one. So this line shows up at the end when we're revealing all the various different identities of the killer. And at this point, the killer is a woman. I forget everything that kind of went around it, but, you Yeah, know. the
2: butler
0: is revealed to actually be the daughter of Lionel Twain. But this is like the third reveal in a series of like five reveals, none of which bear fruit. And right. it's still Alec Guinness. Pretending to be a woman.
1: Yeah, he does this, like, cute little thing with, like, his hat and, like, the camera <laughs> angle, like, shifts up and, like, Alec Guinness actually looks effeminate in that, like, angle <laughs> with that expression with the hat turned down just a little bit. And, like, and it, it actually kind of works for a second, but, uh, the French detective, played by Coco, does this bit where he's, like, talking to the murderer at this point. I forget which fake identity, but it's a female identity. And he, he makes the remark, as a man, you're barely passable. As a woman, you're a dog. <laughs> <laughs> so, shift in whatever fucking accent you want in there, make it offensive, don't, I don't know. That fucking line is so hilarious. Oh, it's so good. And I also want to use that in my real life. However, I feel like... You'd have to be selective with your targets. I will be punched.
0: You could just go right for like a Borat accent, like, as, as a man, man,
2: man, you are very, very, very
0: possible, but as a, a woman, a woman you are a dog. You are a dog.
2: You are a dog. God damn it! Walking would do great too. As a man, you're barely passable. Barely passable. But
1: as a woman, you're a dog. You're a dog. <laughs> well, you would sit on, you know, you know. It's like, uh, you know, as a man, you're barely passable. Uh, as a woman, though, you're a dog. <laughs> you gotta really chew those
0: consonants, <laughs> you
1: know. Okay. So, you got any quotes, Colin? Probably not. (laughs) Uh,
0: No. I'm all... I don't have any quotes. All right. I got more quotes than you. So, seven. We'll see you next week. Uh, Yes. No. I have more than zero, which is to say I have seven. Yes. Um, Okay. This is the film noir type played by Peter Falk, Detective Diamond, speaking to Peter Niven's character, the... uh, David Niven's character. David Niven's character. There's already enough Peters. (laughs) There's so many fucking Peters speaking to David Niven's character, the effete Englishman. And he goes, now, you're not my kind of cop, but you're smart and you smell good. <laughs> I love the fact that that factors into whether or not he is a, like, trustworthy and effective officer of the law. That's <laughs> smell good. That's
2: one, that's one that I want to use in my daily life. You smell good, son. we are like, hey, you're not my kind of cashier, but you're smart and you smell good. <laughs> You can use that anywhere. (laughs) Anywhere. Insert profession here.
0: (laughs) Okay, this line delivered by Peter Sellers' character, Sidney Wang. So, you know, again, disclosures as given by... Mark and myself. Mark and Jackson previously. This was him interacting with his son, Willie Wang. And Willie Wang says, I don't hear nothing. What do you hear? And he says, A double negative and a dog. (laughs) (laughs) Which I've wanted to say on occasion, right, yeah. like when somebody, I don't hear nothing, okay, so so you hear something right, like what do you hear uh the next interaction is just the tail end of a very hilarious interaction between Perrier and his chauffeur Marcel. We've established that Perrier is a glutton, and he's obsessed with his food. He's getting on Marcel for not buying him the correct things at a shop, and at a point, Marcel says, Oh, this is bad. I I feel it in my bones." And at that point, Perrier gets very cross with him and says, Your buns? Where are the buns? Give me the buns! And he says, No! The buns in my body! The buns in my body! (laughs) Fucking so good. Fiscose! Face (laughs) golf! Um, The last line is my absolute favorite line in the movie. I fucking love this. I want to rewind it to fucking... We don't have to rewind anymore. I don't know why I said that. This is not a Betamax. I do not have to rewind this movie, but I do want to skip back to this scene just to watch it again, but... It's right when Peter Falk's character pulls up with his plus one who's a secretary. Keep in mind she is obsessed with him. She is constantly getting him to try to Oh she's just infatuated. Be in love with her. Like that's all she wants. It's very tense and danger is on the horizon, right? So she's scared and she says, Oh, give me a kiss and he says, I don't kiss. And she goes, Oh, just this once, Sam, please. And he goes, I don't like kissing. Now leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like kissing, now leave me alone.
1: <laughs> uh, I don't know if so, I will
0: use that line in my it's personal
2: so life. So good. If the situation offers itself, I will not hesitate. To kiss? Yes.
0: And that's all I've got, even though, like Mark, I could have gone on for, oh, for days for ages. and days and days. Okay, so are we lured earn? and we already ready to riggity raggity rate.
2: Ah, uh, youth. Yes,
1: yes. Let's do it. Let's do it. So, on that note, while I try to buy time. I'm going to go ahead and ask someone
2: else what their rating is. All right. I will go ahead and buy some time for mark uh while i come up with my rating and unlike mark i am not going to pass the baton i'm going to sit here and confidently spin a yarn while i use my mental faculties to okay so
0: i got it i'm gonna Uh, give this movie a (laughs) an 8.1 oh
1: Oh, did you just jump in there? Did you just take it?
0: Yep. Okay. I'm going to give this movie an 8.1. I didn't have all of it flushed out, but I thought oh. it would be funny if I cut you off. <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> hang on, hang on. Let me, let me get this. I should have fucking used pinkies. <laughs> yeah. Shut my mouth and use pinkies. An 8.1, butler clothes.
2: Mm. Mm. Solid. So I'm going to jump back in and give this an 8.4. Bed, Scorpions. Ooh, okay.
0: That actually had crossed my mind.
1: <laughs> um, All right, enough time has been bought. I'm going 8.5 moose eyes. Oh,
0: oh, yes. actually also crossed my list, but I'm actually really disappointed that I didn't think of men from Brussels. See, I was uh, thinking dog <laughs>
1: tongues. That crossed my mind, too. <laughs> yep.
0: There's so many good ones. Okay, so is there anything else we need to rate this on? Well, there could be. Uh, I think there's one thing. Oh, are you talking about the scene score? Scene score. Scene <laughs> score. I keep saying it gets better each time, but the Mark adding the <laughs> at the end is <laughs> something. It's,
1: just, it's the cherry on top. Is that what it is? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is that what a cherry sounds Once like? you make the perfect ice cream, all that's left is to drop a berry on it.
2: Cherries are berries. Cherries are berries.
0: Cherries are berries. I just... I feel like that's a band name. Cherries or berries. Cherries it's or like
2: berries. Tears for Fears, only fruity. Are grapes berries?
0: I feel like cherries are berries. Like their whole thing. They're a Tears for Fears cover band, but their lyrics are all like obvious but explicit corrections on daily things. Yeah. Cherries are berries, you know. Water's wet. Water is wet. You know? There are more hydrogen atoms in a single water molecule than there are stars in the solar system. There are more chickens than people.
1: Poopazicki. <laughs> You know.
0: Yes, Mark. You've definitely caught on to what we're trying to say here. Poopaziki. <laughs> Poopaziki. Poop <laughs> that
1: I mean that's a good icky track. poo. Icky. Well, let's let's not go too far with it. Oh, okay. okay? Let's not go too far. Yeah. Poop. that was
2: that was my bad.
1: Poopaziki. There's a line. You crossed it.
2: I often
0: do. I often do. Poop? Yes. Me too. Once a day. <laughs> Madam Musel. Sometimes. Brought to you by Metamucil. We are no longer talking about poo or the fiber necessary to create regular poos. We'll save that for later. Yeah, yeah we might. We might. Uh, <laughs> today, though, I would like to thank the respondents we had to the familiarity survey. Yeah, you people are fucking gems. Well done. Thank Good you. Good on you. Yeah. The average familiarity with this movie is a 0. .9 out of ten. Oof. Not great. Not mm-hmm. unexpected, though.
1: So one person.
0: So it's not... Kind of. Let's say, yeah, like a 10%-ish familiarity. Yeah, Yeah. 9% familiarity. Our average rating was an 8.3. That is really fucking high. Yeah. We really rated the shit out of this movie. The scene score with that low familiarity and our average score is 8.3 is a 9.2. Yes. That could be the highest scene score we've ever had. I
2: am fairly confident that that is the highest scene score we've ever
0: gotten. 9.2.
1: It might be the highest. Who? knows like i can't
0: i think goon got like a 9.0 but like 9.2 that's fucking that's way up
1: there yeah like i enjoyed this movie so much and had never even heard of it like this is what the scene score is about
2: yeah honestly
1: so good do we have anything
0: else that we need to cover
1: well um i was uh sitting around uh sitting around the old house the other day and uh my phone went off wasn't sure what it was turns out it was
2: something uh called an email
0: oh (gasps) electronic mail.
2: We just got an
0: email. We are going to get sued so fucking bad because of Jackson's antics. Well, that's fine. Bring it.
1: <laughs> we just got an email. We just got an email. That I think it's 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 different he, enough.
0: He was getting pleasure out of that. Yeah, you? Did I, you hear that? I did. Mm. Uh so this email came to us from uh one Mr. Alex. Alex yes. no no last name just Alex yep. um,
1: now is it pronounced Alex or Alux uh, I
2: think it's Alex
0: I think it is Alex okay yeah okay thank you Alex hello three men after talking with my good pal Mark Amadeus Culp um, Jackson is that your real name
2: yes yeah okay. uh,
0: I have decided to give my two cents on an episode based power ranking since I enjoyed the banter between you guys so much when it comes to the order your names are said in fan emails thank you Alex Alex is very, very considerate.
1: Yeah. Generous with the comments. Yeah. Compliments.
2: I would say that Alex I I would say that he places second on my list of favorite emails. Oh, why? Why
0: would
1: you
2: why would you say that? Yeah, we'll we'll get into the meat and potatoes of that in a minute.
0: So he continues with I figured this definitely wouldn't stir up any controversy. Really? (laughs) That is accurate. That is accurate. Well, I'm
1: I'm still okay. Let's Uh, keep going. No, we
0: will not. Uh, with that being said, this episode's rankings are as follows. I presume... Mark number one, right? I presume that this episode he is referring to an earlier episode? More than Which likely. Which episode? Why yes. Why didn't you specify, Alex? Yeah. Well, this is probably... Fools Rush In? Um,
2: yeah, could sure. be. Could be Rain Over Me, though.
0: Rain Over Fools? Yeah, that, Rain Over Fools. That rush into enemies at the gates? Guys, yeah. stop being such
2: a goon. Mine enemies this. at the gates.
0: Oh, Mine enemies Ooh. at the gates. It <laughs> was very German. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, Colin, number one I completely agree Bullshit mm. uh, yeah. w- Won Can't me say. over when you called Matt Ostrowski an asshole And said you wanted to fight him You know what, I aim to please And you know what, I will fight every fucking Matt Ostrowski out there If it means I remain number one
1: Wow, well, let's be popular because of violence
0: Yeah, okay? yeah. Wow. Yeah. Way sorry. to set
2: an example to
1: the kids. It's called yeah.
0: bullying, Mark, and it's very cool right now
1: Yeah, the only bullying that I want to hear Is one where I get on top and I just start bullying everyone else You, you want to be on top? Well it, it,
0: this got it, it, very sexual. Uh, oh man, I want
1: myself <laughs> into that one. Okay, so number 2 is Mark, right?
0: Jackson mm. is number 2? What? Wow. Um, which is another could been worse term for poop. Yes.
2: Uh, yes I could, it is, Alex. I, number 2.
0: I could relate with you that you hated the love angle of the movie and also felt bad that you were left as the last name in the email order. Mm.
1: Mm. Mhm
0: hmm
2: Yeah, except you didn't place me at the top to counteract the fact that I was left at the bottom
0: of the pile. Sure, you gotta just move you up one position. You just
2: kinda like kicked me
1: up a little bit of a notch there. It's like <laughs> a stay in your lane. You know. Yeah. <laughs>
2: No, yes.
0: no where you're at.
2: We're to boost my ego just enough to be insecure. We there. recognize
0: that you've been working at this church's chicken for 11 years. We're not going to make you a manager, but would you like to be manager. assistant to the manager? Yeah, or, uh, yeah, that sounds great, Alex. You know what? You're going to be a team lead.
2: Ooh, nothing would satisfy me more than being a big, fat, stinking number two. Wow. Well, Mark sounds like it could have been worse. Yeah, Mark
0: what? is number three. Oh uh, shit! Bullshit. Bullshit. Be, which we've established, number three is that—that's either sweat or puke. Yeah, because he can't play hockey or fight. Wow, uh, you don't know. It sounds that like Mark. It sounds sure. like Alex is about to find out whether or not Mark can throw yeah. hands. Yeah, <laughs> he
1: can. He can. I got the left one. I got the right one. I what got about it the middle up. one. Doesn't matter. The li- the little punch. The or middle.
0: The,
2: the, the middle, middle punch. punch.
1: Where's the? Where's that coming from?
2: Um, I'll give you three guesses, and the first two don't count.
1: Oh, God. See, I don't play hockey, so I'm not sure where this has uh, <laughs> been established. God damn it. You know what? This is crap. I didn't I didn't sign up for this just to be number three?
0: You didn't sign up to be number three. No, I nope. gave up. I gave up. Allegedly.
1: Two and a half, maybe? Can I be two and a half? Can I be right underneath you, Jackson? You want to be right underneath you? He wants to right be I you wanted to be you. on top. Well, now I want to be just like a... I, well, I, you
0: know he's what? he's like he's a. It's a hard fall. He's a, a soft fall. power bottom. <laughs> uh, please keep up the good work. I love listening to you. He's probably talking about me there. And you looking... know what? He probably is number one. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> and look forward to your next episode. Do a- you, Alex? Do you, Alex? God damn
1: it! You know what? As I recall that email, uh, I was number one. Is that, was that right?
2: Um, maybe on your phone. I had it upside
0: down. Oh, that yeah, that'll do it, because you were at the bottom. To be fair, smartphones are not well-oriented. Like, no. There's just, you know, there's no way to know which so way you're picking it up. Anguish. Right.
1: So, yeah, if, if anyone else wants to chime in and, um, you know, set the record straight, you know, Mark's on top. He's not a, well, he could be a power bottom. If he's a bottom, <laughs> he, if he's a bottom, he's a power bottom. Or he's, you know what, just, come on, guys, I need some help here. Somebody, somebody reach out. And help
0: me help me. He needs somebody. not just <laughs> somebody anybody
2: <laughs> <to love. laughs>
0: Okay. So. Are we learned, I yeah. think so. All right. Well, that is all for the All Crap Review. Thank you for listening. If you have ideas for movie reviews, you can fill out our movie suggestion form. You can get to that on our website, or we can send it to you directly. If you email us at 3, that is the number 3, men in a basement, at gmail.com. If you get to that form, you can fill it out, and then every fifth movie, we will review a listener suggestion. Also, if you want to take the familiarity survey, you can get to that on our website. That's tmaab.podbean.com. Com. TMAAB stands for Three Men and a basement! basement! Or you can email us directly at Three Men and a Basement at gmail.com. Please make sure that you check out our tour, which is headlining Frau Picken. And um, we thought that was going to be a very innocuous band. It turns out that uh, in Germany they're known as Frau Picken, and it's it's very different fucking nasty yeah. just nasty um also asshole full of teeth which is a bit of like they're not a primus cover band but they're definitely they're inspired by the same whatever fucking horrific shit inspired primus it'll nip you uh finally cherries are berries which is our tears of fears cover band and they will correct you on all of your sort of nuanced and pedantic shit um actually um actually cherries are berries yeah, yeah. could be like a lead album you know um actually be. I think it might be uh, they're sort of fresh to the scene.
2: I'm not as familiar, which is why I'm so stoked.
0: Are they fresh or were they sitting in a cold storage for a while?
1: Um, actually they were freshly picked.
0: It's true. From the peninsula. I'm um, actually. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcast. And until then, I am Colin McLeod. Mark Up. Action Jackson. And we will see you in cyberspace. Ch- <laughs>